0: team doesn't kill me so although well you both are do you do podcasts so you know this i don't have to explain this initial part to you um that every will clean this up we can have a normal conversation if yes. we try not to edit it or overproduce it um, but again if you say something that you want to go back and cut out or if the dog comes barking or whatever <laughs> happens in the mm-hmm. background like we can, we can cut that stuff out. Again, we, we try to make it as conversational as possible, but we do have that ability. Cool. Um, all right. Any questions for me? Um,
1: well, I know, I know Hope and I, we both have, uh, like appointments at two. So, okay. you know,
0: we'll keep it tight.
1: Yeah. You know. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be here though. Yes.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I
1: I, want to be here as many minutes as I can be before I have to leave.
0: (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. That's a good (laughs) reminder, actually, for me. So, um, so let's jump right in then, because you know, having two people sometimes it does take a bit longer. We might not get through the questions. Um, That's fine. I'm not going to make an attempt to get to that number seven question, which is the fun one. Um, If we get to it, great. If we don't get to it, which we probably won't, that's fine too um cool. and you have you've seen all the questions already correct Eddie yeah. shared them with yeah. me okay fantastic so I'm going so to going to do the intro and then we'll get right into it
1: sounds
0: good welcome to dignity respect and action the podcast I'm your host Dr. Neff Walker today we have an important podcast planned for you we have two incredible guests from the UMass Center for Counseling and Psychological Health to talk about the services they have at CCPH and about taking care of ourselves during times of stress a big welcome to Psychiatric Social Worker Christian Smith and W.E.B. Du Bois Diversity Fellow Hope Evelyn. How are you 2 I'm doing good.
1: good. I'm doing good. Glad to be
0: here. We're happy to have you here for a much needed conversation. So we like to kick off the pod and we'll start with you, Christian. We like to kick off this, this conversation by just having you explain to our listeners who you are, um, how did you arrive at UMass and, and what do you do here?
1: Okay, well, um, I am a social worker, clinical social worker at CCPH. Uh, I'm, I also have a couple coordinator roles there. So um, coordinator of diversity and inclusion and coordinator of the Du Bois Fellowship. At CCPH, we have a huge training program. So we have trainees every, every year, um, psychology uh, interns, social work, Interns, post-doc, um, and uh, post-grad fellows, and the Du Bois Fellowship is a postgraduate fellowship. So, this, the Du Bois Fellow would be someone that has already gotten their MSW and is looking f- to get some experience, early, you know, early career clinician, and uh, and specifically focused on, um, you know, equity and social justice uh, on a Predominantly white institution, so I oversee that position as well. And uh, and how did I get here? Um, well, it was about six. How long years have ago.
0: you been here? Okay, how six long years. Are... Here? Yeah, yeah,
1: I was. <clears throat> so, I've been here going on six years. Uh-huh. I say six years ago because it was in the fall of two thousand fifteen when I got an email from someone. I was doing private practice uh, in you know, Springfield, Chicopee area. And I got an email from someone in HR at, uh, UHS and was like, would you like to do some per diem work, um, at UMass? And so I I looked, you know, looked further into it and, and that's how I got here. I got recruited here. I wasn't even looking at UMass, even though I'm a graduate of UMass uh, Mm -hmm. undergrad, I graduated in 98 as a sociology major, but, um, but yeah, I just kind of stumbled upon uh UMass as far as the counseling center and um got recruited and then I really liked it. I really liked you know the environment and uh, and I'm very familiar with UMass. So I was like, you know, I could I could take a little stability. I'll <laughs> go for stability because private practices can be a little unpredictable at times. And, yeah. And uh, but it you know, so I was like, I'll go, I'll go with that. And uh and it's worked so. So that's
0: great yeah. thank you mm-hmm. hope what's your story
2: yes so um my name is hope evelyn um i joined umass during the academic year last year so um 2020 to 2021 um i'm the du Bois fellow that christian oversees so he's my supervisor um and i joined umass i had just finished up my MSW program at UConn, um, 2020 grad, you know, COVID grad, so they say. <laughs> um, and was, I had interned at UConn's counseling center for, you know, the the undergraduate, well, the, the students at the stores campus, which is the big kind of campus for UConn, um, And I really loved working in the college counseling environment. I, Mm -hmm. you know, they describe it as emerging adulthood, right? And so um, definitely liked the idea of being someone's first experience with therapy or um, being that positive supportive um, professional for a student who's struggling and I just kind of found my groove with doing therapy in the college counseling set it, setting setting. Um, and so when I graduated, um, I was looking for you know, opportunities and jobs. And I kind of stumbled upon this opportunity through, um, through UConn. They have um, an office that places people for internships. And they mm-hmm. they told me about this Du Bois Fellowship position. Um, it's a super unique opportunity because in the social work field, they're not, we're not required to do a fellowship. We can start our career right away if we want to. Um, but it's difficult to get into the therapy world because you have to be licensed. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have to go through the licensing steps. So um, the fellowship gives this unique opportunity to stay in therapy and not have to do something else if you really want to be a therapist. Yeah, and work towards your hours for the license. So I was su- super excited to stay in college counseling and um, then signed on for a second year. So I'm here for a second year in the position um, and definitely loved the, the added layer of being a part of diversity and inclusion efforts for sure. Um, that's something that I'm super passionate about. So that's kind of how I got here to UMass.
0: Thank you. Uh, Follow-up question for you, Hope. Did you always know that you wanted to be in counseling in this sort of work?
2: I did not. (laughs) So I graduated from, I went to UConn stores as an undergrad and Mm -hmm. I graduated with um, a psychology and human development um, dual degree. Um, And I did case management when I, so I, I had four years outside of undergrad and then going back to grad school. And so I did, I worked in retail for a little bit. Um, I I couldn't find a job when I first graduated undergrad. I worked in retail. Then I started doing case management. So I worked with, um, you know, folks with diagnoses who lived in the community. I would drive Mm -hmm. them to appointments, do skill building, Mm -hmm. make budgets, kind of life skill things. And I really loved that work and working and, and being an advocate. So I would take them to disability, you know, services offices and get food stamp cards and things like that. And I would really have to advocate because people don't always treat people the best if you have, you know, certain diagnoses attached to your name. And so I really loved that advocating and that work, um, but I felt limited by not having a master's degree. So I decided Mm -hmm. to go back and Um and then i was placed at the counseling center and i just loved therapy as well yeah. so um, yeah i didn't Thank know you. at first but now i found my place
0: christian i know you've been in the game a bit longer but have you did you always know this was something that you wanted to do
1: um no i didn't and it's funny because in a lot of ways hope is like a we're we're like we're like 20 year apart twins or something i mean <laughs> like her experience was very similar to mine. I so when I graduated from UMass, um I didn't know what I didn't I know I wanted to work with people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think I ever understood how to get into counseling. I and I, mm. as a as an undergrad, I think and undergrads probably relate to this. It's like once you you once you realize maybe what you want to do, you're so far in and it's like, "Oh, I can't do that." Like I went through this whole thing where Um, I I I thought maybe I want to be a teacher and then I went to the school of ed and I like tried to find the way and I was like, I got to add like, like 18 more months. (laughs) I'm not doing, I'm not doing this, you know? So I, I, I just didn't know. I just thought you had to be like a PhD, um, to do counseling. And it wasn't until I got out and did social work and did casework similar to what hope, but I was working with kids. Um, and, uh, you know, my director was like, you need to go get an MSW. Like that's a golden fleece. You could do so much stuff with the an MSW. Mm-hmm. And,
0: um,
1: and he was, he was right. He was right. Counseling is definitely one of the things that you can do with it. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that this is what I would do or could do, but this is the perfect job for me.
0: Yeah. So. Thank you for that. I always I always love to hear how people got to where they are.
2: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. And I feel like people that are listening, you know, some of what you're saying will resonate with them and they'll see themselves and your experiences, particularly at, as an undergrad. So thank you for that. Yeah. So you're both a part of this really incredible team of social workers at CCPH um, who are dedicated to our students and serving our community through the transitions. Can you talk about some of the services that CCPH offers to students and how can students access these services?
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I, uh, either I or Hope could do that, but before I do, I don't want to um, cause any tension within the ranks. We're not just social workers. There's there's also uh, psychologists there, and I have to, you have to do that because it's like a historical, you know, not necessarily at CCPH, but just within the field. there's yeah there's this tension or this like thing between social workers and psychologists, you know, and um, we're, we are a team and we're made up of social workers and psychologists, so I just wanna, mm-hmm. I don't want any of my coworkers like, <laughs> I heard the podcast, you just yeah. let us say that and you didn't even say <laughs> Thank you for correcting
0: me. Thank you for adding that piece. That's an important piece to this. Um, no, so
2: thank you.
1: Yeah, no problem, no problem. Um, hope you wanna?
2: Sure. I mean, so CCPH has a ton of different services. Um, There's, you know, what people would, you know, think of when they think of therapy, there's one-on-one individual therapy. Um, And right now, I will say that everything is through Zoom, Um, even though students are back on campus, we're still doing everything through Zoom. Um, We even have empty offices in our building for students to zoom from, even if we're in the building, Mm. (laughs) we're zooming from the upstairs in our office while they're downstairs. But, so students have a private space if they want to zoom with their therapist in our office. Um, But we have individual therapy. We also have group therapy, which is, um, you know, with, you know, there's certain topics that are offered for different groups. And if you identify with that topic or that identity, um, you can do group therapy, which is weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have free workshops and drop-in like community conversation kind of groups, more kind of support group um, style instead of like clinical um, or therapy space. Uh, Christian and I run a community conversation for Black students called Always Forward. Um, and it also like, sparked our interest in creating a podcast of the same name, Always Forward. Um, and then there's just these drop-in consultations, which are 15 minutes, chatting with a therapist for 15 minutes if you don't necessarily want to lock in for individual therapy. That's often a really soft touch point for students to get connected to our office when they're just mm-hmm. not sure what they want to do. Um, yeah. they can get 15 minutes to kind of consult with a mental health professional about what might be helpful or what services feel relevant to their experience. So yeah. thank you for that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. our, sorry, did you have something else to add, Christian?
1: Um, yeah, I was just, I, was, I mean, hope to do a great job of explaining all yeah. the stuff we do. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, just the just only thing I would say is that uh, we really try to think about the different needs that students may have and and how you can access help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one-on-one is not the only way to, to access help. I think some of the thought behind the, the groups, especially um, like the, well, a lot of the groups, I, I could speak specifically about um, the one I do, Always Forward, but also I do a, a workshop on, uh, it's called ADHD Toolkit. and. Mm. I love I love doing that workshop because students have so much to learn from each other. There's so much that they can learn from each other. Yeah. Uh, and so that happens there. It also provides community and a space, you know, to be able to identify with someone, especially with something like ADHD, where a lot of people will a lot of people will say like it's not a real thing, or mm-hmm. you know, or you just need to dot dot dot, you know. Um, you're just being lazy or whatever. And, and, and students hear those messages and they, it really creates such a negative, you know, negative impact, has a negative impact on their self-esteem. And so when they can go and hear other people talking about the same things and realize it's not just me, that's that I'm not the only one that has had, and this is actually a thing, you know, that, that we could get, people together and multiple people have had this experience this is actually this is real this is something that I'm dealing with Uh, and it's so empowering and I think that's you know that I like that kind of stuff can't happen necessarily in a one-on-one therapist so you know so we we just try we we try to be really creative and thinking about all the ways that people can access help when we come up with our programming
0: That's great, that's amazing. That's that's really, that resonates with me a bit, understanding the differences between, you know, the one-on-one support and and the group support and students being able to see themselves and be affirmed in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, So our students come with all sorts of backgrounds and relationships and access and engagement with um, therapy and and support and counseling. Um, For our students who have no experience accessing mental health support or services in the past, can you explain what a typical visit might look like? What can a student expect when they come into your space looking for support?
1: Mm. Um, I mean, I think they can expect to encounter a, a really attentive um, human being who wants to who wants to learn about them you know and 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 be helpful to them who wants to create a space for them um i mean i've worked different places and uh in, in, as a counselor and i have to say this is probably the the the, the greatest collection of like skilled talented uh therapists like I learned so much from from other people here. Um, I've learned so much, so it, I can I can honestly say, like, you know, not, not like you have to find the right person for you. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But I think we have the right person for for everyone in our in our in our group. I mean, for the most part, no, that's not true. We have some we have some space for for more. We there's definitely some people that I think we can do a better job at, um, you know, you know, as far as like representation is mm-hmm. concerned, because I think that's so yeah. important. And I think we'll talk about that more after, but, I, but very skilled clinicians. Um, yeah. So I think that's what people find.
2: Absolutely. In terms of how to get connected and kind of what that first appointment looks like. CCPH started a same day appointment um, mm-hmm. style around the time I started actually last year. Um, so, for the most part, students can call first thing in the morning and to ask, you know, what appointments are available to get connected. And they'll be given a list of openings. So, okay. you're, you're really getting connected the same day that you call. Um, so that there's that, you know, that quick, um, getting connected kind of element rather than, you know, releasing all the availability and being scheduled three weeks, four weeks out, and maybe whatever you were looking for support for isn't even a factor by the time you actually have Mm. that appointment. So that's kind of the style and the approach. Right now, um, same day, the appointment, that first appointment is very much consultation style. So what's bringing you in? What are your symptoms? Have you ever had previous experience? A lot of information gathering. Um, Mm -hmm. When I meet with students in that first appointment, I kind of frame it as this is an outline, not an essay. Like that first Mm -hmm. appointment is bullet points what could you want to deep dive into maybe in the future what things are you looking for um so very much an outline of what's bringing you in and you fill in the essay later kind of a thing um, that usually helps students kind of understand that there's just certain questions we have to ask all students at that first appointment and there is this element of gathering information and consulting about what feels right for their experience um, so that they know that in advance and it doesn't feel cold maybe, yeah. or if it does feel they understand why. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what the first appointment looks it's, looks like. It's very much as the name says, a consultation of what's bringing you in, what are looking for and, and what can I do to support you now? Um, and if that includes a workshop, we're gonna start there. If that includes a group, we're gonna start there. Um, and if you want one-on-one, we can talk about options as well with that. Yeah. Thank you, that's, that's really helpful. You both center um, DEI
0: and social justice and your practice with CCPH. Can you talk a little bit more as to what does it look like and why is it important to have culturally appropriate mental health services, um, particularly on a college campus like this?
1: You want to take that one first? I mean, I'm sure we both want to talk about it. <laughs>
2: um,
1: I could go, or whatever. Yeah,
2: I, I think what well, I guess I'll start off. I mean, for sure, I think Christian and I both can agree that you know, being on a predominantly white campus can make things difficult, right? There could mm-hmm. be different challenges for different folks with different experiences and identities, um, and so our role, or at least how I see my role, I won't speak for Christian, I'm sure he'll say what he, he feels, but, you know, any chance to improve that is what I will invest in. Um, yeah. Any chance to um, create more equity or, you know, to, to create more access, um, to, especially to mental health services, when there is often such a big stigma in, you know, you know, students who identify under this BIPOC umbrella or some kind of marginalized identity, um, really striving to think from those perspectives and how can we support so that they can feel a little bit more connected and make this campus that feels so large, feel smaller and and find community and space and connection. While also supporting mental health, obviously, since we're mental health professionals. Yeah. What's your thoughts,
0: Christian?
1: Well, <clears throat> I, I I was really intrigued by this question because um, culturally appropriate mental health services. It just it, it it sort of names it addresses something that's not often named, and 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 that is that you have to have something like this because what's mainly offered is just not for everybody yeah it's all it's it's only for a certain demographic and it, it may it makes me think of of like what's mainly offered in society and how how invalidating that feels for for someone like me so like yeah uh for example Supercuts is like a, a barbershop <laughs> for for everybody yeah but if i go to super cuts i'm gonna get super cut i'm gonna get <laughs> messed up i can't go there they're not gonna cut my hair right they're gonna have me coming out of here looking crazy
0: you're not gonna it's have not, the haircut you have now that's for I'm sure
1: definitely not gonna have this haircut yeah they're not It's not. it's not for everybody yeah and so uh, you got, but, 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 but that's just a haircut. We're talking about mental health. You have right. to have something for, for every person. If you truly care about people and their, and their health, you have right. to have stuff that, that treats them, that, yeah. that's, that sees them because that's the problem. Supercut doesn't see me, you know, yeah. like if I go some, it's like that. If you go a lot of places. There's certain foods that you might eat. But if if I'm if I'm you know I don't know in Keene, New Hampshire, because I was there recently. (laughs) If I'm there and I'm going, and my daughter needs some 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 uh, stuff for her hair or whatever, um, the CVS is not going to have it. They're not good because because that's not who is 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 there, or that's not who they see there. Mm -hmm. They they may be there, but you they don't see you there. Yeah, you know you got to go where you're seen, and -hmm. that's why it's important to have mental health services that basically see people and yeah. see that there, there there are differences and we're not we're not all dealing with the same things and there are different approaches that you need to take for different people mm-hmm. and so that's I think that's really what we're you know what we're trying to where we're trying to do um uh with the work that we're doing so that so that people are really getting the help that they need and not and not trying and not white knuckling it, trying to get through without the real support. Because the other side to it is, for a, a black student, there are triggers everywhere at, at a predominantly white institute. There's so there is so much stuff there um, that really is just not. It's not only that it's not for you, but it actually it poses obstacles for you. It makes it harder for you. Yeah. And. And so you definitely need support if you're going to navigate, navigate that.
0: As you said that, Christian, I was thinking of when I first moved here from Florida, Um, Mm -hmm. I was looking for somewhere to get my hair done. This is before I had my hair locked. So Mm -hmm. it was less obvious to people, perhaps that I couldn't go to the mall and they suggested I go to the, the Hampshire mall. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. I'm sorry. I appreciate the support. I I see what you're trying to do. That's not going to work for me. Right. So I ended up having to go to Springfield to find, you know, someone who could do my hair in a way that I trusted that they were going to take the care that my hair needed, right. Right. That they had experience doing hair like mine and that they would give it the same, uh, you know, love and treatment right. um, that was specific to my hair type. Right. And, you know, that's what I'm hearing with you right now with how you're explaining this. And I think that analogy resonates with me so well. Um, so I appreciate that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Got it. So I, you know, I'm thinking about what you're saying and I'm thinking about what we've seen on our college campus this semester. Right. And there's no way we can talk about this topic without right. um, not discussing um, the relevance of it on our college campus right now, dealing with things like, you know, the anti-Black racist email that was sent. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, what does it look like? And this, I'm, I'm throwing you all like, this is completely not on the list of questions. So just bear with me. <laughs> uh,
1: it's all right, it's all right.
0: But what does it look like for a college campus to develop mental health services that can speak to the people that are here, right? Like, what does it look like for a university to be able to provide holistic mental health services for the diversity that we want? Like, we want diversity. We want people from all parts of the world, all cultures, races, ethnicities, gender identities, on and on and on. That's what we want because we understand the value in that. But oftentimes, most times, institutions aren't prepared for that. Um, especially when there's moments of cultural crises, right? And um, I don't know. I just I think about that often in my work. I think about what does it look like for a college campus to actually be inclusive to all people. Um, and I just wondered if this is something that you all have talked about, or if you have these ideal, um, you know, idealized views of what it could be if we were to actually meet the needs of all the people that are on our campus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We, we 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 may have talked about this I don't know maybe once or twice, <laughs> something like
2: <that>. Moments before <laughs> joining this podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I, I love the way that you 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 said that though, Neff. You, you talked about how as a, a institution of higher learning you want to attract people from all all over, right? And there's a there's an amazing wealth of 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 wisdom and knowledge and and just experience when you have cult, people from different cultures come in together. It's it's beautiful. It, it's something that you you want. And 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 so, it's like when you want something, you have to know how to take care of it. If it's very valuable, you have to know how to take care of it. Yeah. But it's like. You, when I was a kid, if if I wanted the expensive whatever sneakers or a bike or whatever, and like a bike, and my mom came home and she saw it like off the kickstand, just down on the ground in, in the driveway, <laughs> she'd be like, "What are you doing? Don't you like? I thought you know how much I paid for this bike. You're just gonna leave it on the ground like that? Yeah. If you want if you want something of value, which I think institutions do you Mm -hmm. gotta, you gotta make a commitment to taking care of it though. And, 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 you know, and, and and maintaining it and, and cultivating it. And, and so I think a lot of this is for me, it's, it's, it's representation. Yeah. You know, you have to have people in positions that make decisions that understand that that actually resemble the people that you you want to be here otherwise it's it's so hard for people to really know like i said the thing about the hair you got it you completely right. understood it cuz you've been there yeah but so other someone else would be like oh they they wouldn't even get it they wouldn't even yeah. really understand yeah. what that's like you know but yeah. that's and that's just that's just an example why mm-hmm. representation is so important for for the care uh, of, of the people, like you have to have people who understand and know what's going on for, for certain populations. Um, otherwise there's just a lot of misses and, and, uh, blind spots and, you know, yeah, yeah. It, just, it just a lot, a lot of, it just perpetuates a cycle. Yeah. Because- no, it does.
0: And I, yeah. you, you mentioned the- I don't know. The, the idea of cultivating a space that can be responsive to the needs of the diversity that we want is feels like the important piece, right? Like that's mm-hmm. where the resources, the time, the attention, the effort has to be spent and cultivating that environment that is ready to welcome that diversity that we all want with, with open arms and, and pull, you know, the folks in and love them appropriately, right? And I say this often when I talk to people and it's like, I don't mean like not literally love, but campuses have to learn how to love the diversity that we seek um, and treat that diversity with love and care as you've said, Christian. So I absolutely agree. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So, sorry. Okay. So the pandemic, you know, has been really challenging for our students and you both have alluded to this already. Um, isolating for some students and others are going back to households that are not isolating but stressful. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how the pandemic has impacted the work that you're doing at CCPH and how you may have adapted your services um, in the last 18 months to really meet the needs of our students? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that feels related to the last point that Christian Mm -hmm. even made in terms of we're also talking about, you know, the word that kept popping in my head as you were both speaking was retention, right? Like mm. You can recruit, but how do you maintain and retain the folks mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. when they get there, right? right. How right. do you make, how do you ensure that they feel supported and loved, as you said, um, so that they stay and so that that diversity continues and you can Mm. you can um, really create change Um, and I think that to some extent the same can be said with mental health services right Mm. how do we retain wellness (laughs) or mental health right how do we continue to support people in the way as things change right how do we how do we you know continue to create access to mental health support and services And I think that's where Christian and I definitely in in our work together have really worked our creative juices to kind of, you know, know, there's a saying in like the therapy world of meet the client where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if there's a stigma, students are not always going to check for CCPH things. So how do we meet students where they're at in terms Mm -hmm. of their accessibility to mental health support and um, skills or suggestions or community, um, which was really the the brainchild and thinking of why we created the the podcast, which kind of spurred from the group. Not everyone can come to Always Forward on Thursdays at 4 p.m. So how do we open up access to the sense of community and connection of the great conversations that we have in that group for Black students? and where people, students can listen to it whenever they're free and, and yeah. can still get that sense. And so I think at least in Christian and I's work and, and other folks in the, the, the CCPH um, office is, how can we be creative and meet students where they're at, where they mm-hmm. can access services, um, mm-hmm. even if, you know, it's, it's, you know, things feel more difficult lately, yeah. um, or that there's some, you know, accessibility barriers, which is why, like, when I mentioned the Zoom rooms came up, like privacy, when you're living with a roommate, maybe you don't want to talk about your mental health. And so just kind of meeting the students where they're at when we're noticing barriers and kind of really trying to be super intentional about how to meet the need um, as it comes up for sure.
1: Yeah, especially when your roommate is affecting your mental health.
0: Right, <laughs> particularly then, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah no that's 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 helpful, yeah. Christian hope, is there anything else um that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: yeah, actually, um so I think one of the themes of of, of this conversation is definitely the importance of of uh, of being seen mm-hmm. and and also and also like this idea of of cultivating um because at the like really students they're here one they're paying to be here right they're paying to be here and they're at a time in their lives when uh they're growing they're they're still developing they're still trying to figure out identity or figure out you know, what what they want to do and and who they're going to be and who they're going to be it with and and okay. it's just there's just there's there's so much and i i i just i just think that it's so important for faculty to to understand their role with all of this i think um for specifically for for black students or for students that, that come from uh, marginalized uh, society marginalized populations or you know just where, where where resources aren't as available that's not any fault to any those are systemic problems that, that exist in our country and it really pains me when students uh, when when students have they they've they haven't maybe gotten all that they could, be, but that was to no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. But when, but when um, faculty don't see the bigger picture, the bigger picture of what is happening in America, the how the the, the wealth gap is just is, is just increasing so much, and how education at this point is ha, ha, has been for so long and still is for. You know, it's the pathway to to changing your uh, changing your economic situation. Yeah, and and uh, I just I'm so pained when I see students not really given the chance. When when I see students, um, I, I I feel like on the other side of the of, of a bias. Of just like you look at this this student and you've already assessed that they're not going to or they're not. And do you know how many times they have gotten that vibe right. from teachers? Yeah. I mean, as a as a as a, a father of of uh, a, a, a black male son, I see bias in the way that he's treated for no re- People read things into his character that aren't even there. Yeah. And if and if he didn't have like. Social, because my wife and I are both social workers, so we don't let anybody get away with anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But if he didn't have that, if yeah. he didn't have that, um, he would get this message. And even in having that, he he had was getting a message from people, from his teachers, that he wasn't smart or he wasn't. Mm. You know. And that that stuff it starts then. So when right. someone gets to college and they've gotten that. And then they get to a professor and the professor gives them the impression that maybe they don't belong here. You, you are doing such a disservice and you don't see the bigger picture. And, I, and I'm passionate about it because I really see that you're doing harm. Yes. Yeah. You're doing harm to, to, to a student and you mm-hmm. should not be here if that is how you're going to operate. So I'm just I'm saying all that to say, students, I see that stuff happening. And I'm I'm calling it out. It is not okay. It is not okay. Mm
0: -hmm. You're so right. It's it's not. And it's harm, right? I think oftentimes we call it things that make us feel a bit more comfortable. It's like, oh, it was a bias incident or it was mistreatment or misunderstanding. And it's like, no, it's harm to that individual. Mm -hmm. Um, So I appreciate you calling it exactly what it is and putting an appropriate name to it. Yes. Yes. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank, thank you for you the both. opportunity.
0: So oh, this has been good. Say
1: it out, say it out loud.
0: So <laughs> yes, yes. It. Say it out loud so people can hear it and so that we can identify it too, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think folks that aren't in this work, it's much more difficult sometimes for people to identify that that type of harm. We see it as a microaggression. We like to call it a microaggression. That's a, a, a nicer name for it. We like to call it bias. We like to call it all these things when actually it's racial, racialized harm. It often, is. right? Sexist harm,
1: mm-hmm. um, ableist Absolutely. harm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's not just race. You're right. It's it's yeah. not. I hear the same thing from, you know, uh, female students in in STEM. You know, programs. Oh yeah. They they, they get they, uh, yeah. It's just not yeah. right. It's not right.
0: Yeah. Thank you both so much. Um, The work that you're doing, the podcast that I didn't know about until today when I saw Christian's (laughs) fancy microphone, I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. That looks like a podcast (laughs) microphone. Um, I I, I can't wait to get into that and listen to it. Um, We'll amplify that because it's important for our students to, to hear the narratives and the stories and the work that's being done on our own campus, right? There's so many podcasts that you can get lost in, In this day and age but to hear and podcast that you might resonate with because Mm -hmm. it's happening right here in your community i think that that's powerful so Mm -hmm. thank you both for all the the amazing work that you're doing we appreciate you we we need you we need you and we appreciate you thank you thank you you. absolutely um so remember you can reach out to ccph for support by calling them at 413-545-2337 if you're experiencing a mental health emergency Please call 911 or Crisis Services at 413 586 5555. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today to Dignity, Respect, and Action. If you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Um, I am your host, Neff Walker. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you both. This is good.
1: Thank you. But Thank you. Yeah.
0: I I appreciate the, the honesty, right? I mean, this is what we're trying to get out of this podcast. Let me stop so everyone doesn't have to.